I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die historic on the Fury Road. to the Mad Max Minute, where we only use the most despicable of characters as human shields in Mad Max Fury Road, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 100. We are in triple digits. <laughs> Which begins with Furiosa dropping the knife that she pulled from her side, and it ends with Cheeto letting Max know that Furiosa isn't feeling too well. Joining us this week, should they choose to accept it, are Jonathan Howell and Chris Ramirez from the Minute Impossible podcast. Yo. Hey. You want big numbers? You got to get big podcasters. And that's me and Chris. We're not like <laughs> we're not like as big as that guy with the nose thing. Uh, you know, OK, well, can, for, can I start off with I'm going to mess up everybody's name and ev- the name of all these vehicles. The fact that you guys have names for these vehicles, I am so excited and giddy to talk about every <laughs> frame of this movie. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm ready to ride into Valhalla. People eater? Uh, we're not as big as the people eater. Let's just put it that way. No, okay. That, that, that's a Although, big one. Chris, one of my feet is swelling up. I think there's <laughs> something wrong with me. <laughs> you, you have something, kidney, kidney problems? That's what happened to me when, my, when I had kidney problems. Oh, yeah. I had, uh, my, I feet, had my feet and my calves started to swell up. They looked like the, the guy's feet, too. It was Maybe like that's what's wrong with the people eater. He's got a kidney yeah. issue. Oh, he's definitely yeah, got failing kidneys. kidneys. He's definitely got the diabetes. <laughs> yeah, the diabetes. Diabetes. Thanks for having us on. Yes, thank you. Oh, thank you for joining us. You are always a delight to have around. And equally delightful is the week that we have ahead of us. It is by far one of the most explosive weeks in this movie. So many explosions. So, so many. I wouldn't necessarily say that it's a John Woo level of explosions, but I think sometimes you have to weigh quantity versus quality. You know what I mean? That is true. Uh, this is a more beautifully shot, though. Uh, not not, yeah, to, not to say John Woo doesn't shoot nice stuff. The, the, no, no. The but action, I mean, this I mean, action the, scene is so uh, wonderful. Mm-hmm. The editing in this thing is is probably my favorite editing of all time just this and, movie as a and whole just so. knowing the logistics that this it, it, this is one of those things we always talk about on our show you know knowing it's real i mean yes i know that they went back in and digitally added a few things to these shots but knowing that 80 percent of the stuff i'm looking at right now is real like those trucks are really near each other they're on some of them are on fire there is some practical fire being used i know some digital fires added later to make it look bigger and you know sweeten it a little but it's mind-blowing and I, I love that these are our minutes i know this was done on purpose right rick absolutely and i know how much you guys love practical stunts given your own series the mission impossible movies where tom cruise is out there hanging from the sides of buildings and hanging off the side of planes and uh, actually just generally hanging off the side of things yeah that's his new thing he likes to dangle he's a dangler (laughs) (laughs) is is either you know aerobatics uh acrobatics is uh as Ambrose says, you know. I like aerobatics. And, uh, That's a better term. Aerobatics. Aerobatics is, about, is what he's We're doing. about to see that this week. This week is all yeah, about we're aerobatics. we're getting into aerobatics. Exactly. I have a question. Yeah. A hypothetical. Okay. How do you think Tom Cruise would have done as Mad Max? Ah. <laughs> I almost said he's question. too pretty, but then I thought I thought about who Mad Max is, and I can't say that. So, um, God, that's hard. You know what? 
It would be interesting to see if his ego could be put in check enough to be quiet the whole movie mm, and barely yeah. talk and just be looks. That's a good point. He does good eye acting, and I think for a role he would do it. I don't think I've ever seen him dirty. I'm trying to think of a movie where he's dirty. Like, really, they're just, like, filthy. I guess uh, Far um, Away. Uh, born, born on the 4th of July. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's got but that that's whole like a fil- out there. Yeah, I guess he is. Yeah, he's in war. And then he's, 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 like, really dirty throughout the rest of the movie when he's paraplegic, you know? I think the main problem with Tom Cruise, and it's kind of a problem that Ambrose in Mission Impossible 2 pointed out, that his problem is you've got to smile like an idiot every 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah. There would be no smiles in this movie. No, there's no smiles. He's too toothy. Exactly. <laughs> he can't help but flash that center tooth. <laughs> Everyone in this movie wishes they had a center tooth. These bunch of some of them wish they had teeth. Period. Bunch of wasteland <laughs> mutants with, with bad, uh, bad teeth. In this I, movie. I love the world that that George Miller and and everybody creates for these films because it's just it's so consistent. It may seem a little different from film to film, but it always feels consistent to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if I were to just walk into a room playing this movie, I would go, "Oh, that's a Mad Max movie, isn't it?" It's interesting that this movie, yeah, we're picking up, I mean, uh, at least in our movie, we, we last were on in uh, Thunderdome, and we're picking mm-hmm. up decades later, and I do not need to be explained. Like, uh, earlier on in the movie, I'll, I'll talk some about some earlier stuff before we get into all the stuff. Everything makes sense. Like, right now, even coming in yeah. out of context, I'd be like, yeah, this all makes sense. This all seems like yeah. something I would see in a Mad Max movie. Exactly. All this uh, second, uh, I'm sure we're going to get to it. The um, when we start talking about the giant limousine that the people eater drink, uh, drives, what's that thing called? Oh, it's just the people eaters limo. Oh, the people eaters doesn't limo. have yeah, a I secondary name. No. <laughs> okay. Well, that limo is so. I love all the secondary, like like all the reused things. Like if you look at the uh, as we get into, this, do you mind if I talk about this? Oh no, go for it. Okay. This is during the shootout, and you. Uh, before we get to all the fun shootout stuff where they're using him as a meat shield, I like just the limo's reused grating, like look, like the grates yeah. on the side and the little flourishes that have been added. It's always funny to see in a Wasteland movie like this, like he actually liked beauty. He actually had an aesthetically pleasing car. Like his car is cute on the inside. Like it has <laughs> flourish, just like his yeah. nose piece has little flourishes on it. Yeah, little filigrees and carvings and whatnot. Yeah. I, I, I want to say it's like the leftovers of uh, them reminding themselves of the world that was, if you will, you know, because it's, it's not that's those little things that they that they that they can remember, I think, you know, to me, at least. Yeah, because there's no glass, at least in the uh, in, in Morton Joe's, his has glass on the side because you see him there. The windows are rolled down. But on uh, the people leader, I can't tell if he has glass other than the front of the car. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's just the front. That's yeah. weird, right? How do they keep having? Do they ha- keep having glass in the front? All of them I have, have been glass asking in the front. that question for one hundred minutes. Okay, good. <laughs> How is there any glass left in this world? Exactly, especially with as much you know chasing as they have to do. Because I would assume this is kind of a regular thing, maybe. Because uh, maybe they, not against Max, but you know against other people. Yeah, do the, absolutely. Do the war boys have glass in their buggies when they're driving? 
Yeah, some of them do. Some of them do. Not all. I remember at yeah. some point, some of them are wearing goggles and some of them aren't. So I didn't know if it was a hierarchy. Like, I guess you get glass the higher up. Because yeah, Nux, Nux's car had it, I think. Yeah. Maybe they have a class system, but it's called a glass system. And you're like <laughs> middle glass and higher. Like, I'm I'm middle glass. Everyone thinks they're middle glass, Lemon. But, you know, what they are is it's uh, it, it, you're like you're low glass. It means you get cars with very low amounts of glass. Hmm. <laughs> High glass, like Joe and People Eater, they can have as much glass as they want. Right. And Joe even has bulletproof glass. Yeah. So yeah. he's the 1%. He is. So he's like the he- 0.01%. <laughs> He is he is the Donald Trump of the wasteland. He is quite oh, literally, that, yes, with beautiful golden hair. I've got the best. I got the best car. I got the best. <laughs> the rig, best women. The best uh, rig. The best women. I would like to think that we've actually done a pretty good job of not referring to him over the course <laughs> well, of, of course this you podcast. bring it to us, and, and we're gonna we're gonna bring it. You up, know, or I'm gonna bring it in up. in the least. grand scheme of things. Like we've gone through plenty of this movie without talking Drawing about specific him. comparisons. Yeah, it does no. exist. But I don't think people need us to draw attention to it. <laughs> no. Well, no, we definitely that. do it, too. We, we have a yeah. giant. Uh, it, basically, it's a powerful fat guy. Uh, yeah. We have yeah. a powerful fat guy in our movie this time, and that's causing problems, too. So we just have a lot of people like, hey, uh, John C. McCloy, he seems like he's kind of Trumpy. We're all like, yeah, yeah. move on. <laughs> Let's keep going. Just moving on. <laughs> now, I saw I, I don't know if you guys saw the the making of that they have on the the steel and chrome version or on the iTunes version of this. And it's got a great making of with this whole thing about the cars, just, just on the cars alone, how they had to, they had to build them up and then they transported them and then they, they had to shut down production. I was just, just amazed by that, you know? Cause I remember when I was in LA in 2000 and um, 2001, 2002, and I heard them prep, you know, getting things prepped for this and then they shut it down. And I remember everybody in LA was just, shocked that they shut it down so quickly especially as much money as was in on it yeah. you know, back then you know so. i'm gonna add my question and then maybe uh your uh julia's glass question will also get answered along with mine where do the tires come from well we have a little bit of an answer on the tires okay a couple of minutes ago one of the rigs tires got blown out mm-hmm. but it didn't get blown out the way like a modern day rigs tire would blow out the rubber got ripped off and underneath you could see a steel frame oh uh-huh. so, so like we think that they're not them? tires like our tires they're not inflated anymore yeah they have a steel frame with a rubber coating on the outside uh-huh. for the tread yeah for the tread yeah. that's got to be a rough ride yeah we uh like to think that if Gastown is creating petroleum products there's a chance they might be able to also process tires like stretching tires over metal frames and things like that, but is there a rubber town? That would be fun. It would be nice if there was a rubber town. <laughs> Just a, a rubber town is a, a rubber town is a uh, like very fetishy. Just a bunch, yeah, bunch of people. With, that's where all the zippers went after the war. Yeah, yeah. Just a bunch all of, their yeah. war boys wear um, gimp they call gimp suits. Yeah. masks. You yeah, go to rubber gimps. town for two reasons: <laughs> tires and other things. Yeah, rubber. I hardly even know her. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of hers, we start off this minute with a close-up on Furiosa's side. She has pulled the bloody shiv from her side, and she seems to not have a lot of willingness to hold on to that thing, or a lot of strength in that hand to hold the instrument of her destruction, and she lets it fall to the floor. And we had a inkling of understanding of how bad this wound was in last week. 
when it happened and when we saw Furiosa reacting to it. But here now that we're able to see that that knife went in really far. Went yeah. through her lung, maybe in more than one place. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know yeah, it's, it's a lung it's a yet, knife. but I think we're going to figure that out. Even if they haven't done it yet, we're going to figure it out this week because she's like barely gra- gasping for like trying to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not a good thing. Certainly no. not. No. That's why I don't have any sharp objects in my car. I think for this very reason, it's just more shrapnel for when I am attacked, I guess. When the war boys come for you? Hmm? Your gear shift isn't also a shiv? It's not. Oh. Chicago's rough, but it's not that rough. Missed opportunity. Mm -hmm. It is. Maybe when you go to a Cubs game, it can get pretty bad. I don't drive to a Cubs game, buddy. I walk. (laughs) Even worse. Oh, I always have a shiv on me. Don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, up in your prison wallet. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. God, I was keeping prison my prison wallet. <laughs> I think the worst thing about Furiosa being stabbed in the side with this shiv is the fact that it's her own shiv. Like, she threw it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Like, into the guy's shoulder. She was like a total badass doing it. And then he's like, I'm going to pull it out of my shoulder and use it to stab her back. And I'm like, ah, stupid little black mask goblin dude. <laughs> what do you think the pain threshold is of people of this world? Oh, Probably pretty high. Pretty high. Yeah. I mean, Max has, Max has pulled out, what, like four arrows before this and then he's got one more in his hand and he just pops on the door and comes right out yeah it's like crazy yeah he's like popping it like he like pops it this way to push it out the other out way the other way like, yeah oh <laughs> exactly there's not that much coming out of his palm it's only probably about three quarters of an inch half an inch and so yeah he slaps it on the door and it pops it out and then he's able to tug it toss it because he's knocked off both ends at this point so well, one end because yeah. he only had an arrow on one end and the other yeah. end was just like spear. Mm. So he's just kind of cut it down to size. Okay. I didn't realize that that's why he smacked his hand on the door. <laughs> to get the barb out? <laughs> yeah. To get, get it the, out. Yeah. He's I always, he's always thinking that, ahead. That makes me very uncomfortable. I wish he'd actually kind of kept it because it had been nice for the Death Eater scene. Or People Eater. I Death Eater. Sorry. <laughs> wrong movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The People Eater scene would have been funnier if he used it on him like just kind of jabbed it into his face he basically <laughs> well, has it was par- partially was was in his head wasn't it yeah because yeah. it went through his yeah it was in his head yeah. too so it's a whole it would be awesome though if he like used it against the people eater i mean not that the people eater doesn't get a great death yeah that would have been crazy if he had backhanded the people eater and the arrow like cut him up yeah like if he had like a piece of metal and he like put it up against it and hit the metal part into his hand and like knocked the rest of it out of his own hand into the people eater i'd be kind of i'd be okay with that yeah that'd be kind of okay with it too i'm a big fan of smells so people eaters suit what do you think that smells like <laughs> well it's got vents so probably not as bad as you think because it has nipple vents well, sure. You, <laughs> hey, we're big fans For of nipples on our show. Those, those are a big thing in, in, in this time period, you know, in this, mm-hmm. this wasteland. Everybody's got nipple vents. I think he's been going to Rubber Town way too much. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, look, I got exposed nipples last time I went to Rubber Town. I got drunk. <laughs> they weren't pierced before I went there. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I'm willing to bet that anybody from Gastown always has that underlying layer of diesel smell. Mm-hmm. And then the people eater himself probably has some sort of oil routine. Like patchouli? You think, think, you think they make patchouli there in, oil, in <laughs> Gasoline Town? Well, I'm thinking like back when we were watching Spartacus, 
on mm-hmm. FX or AMC or one of those shows. Like, yeah. the gladiators would cover themselves in oil and then just scrape the oil off. Yeah. Oh, well, they were yeah. Doing, yeah, because they were doing, like, it was like an essential oils thing that, like, yeah. it makes you smell less bad. It's better than yeah, using sand. Yeah, that's how they sand. would clean themselves. So he probably has that done to him, and they just have to spend a lot of time doing it because there's just a lot oh. of him. A lot of surface oh. area. A lot of folds. He's probably got people who do that to him. Do that for him, you know? Oh, absolutely. Oh, they lose they lose those little swabs inside his body at all. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we went in with five, we came out with three. Well, oh, I bet they no. lose at least one war boy every month <laughs> to that process. Those will shake out at some point. Gross. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a gross man. That's why I think Immortan Joe, of all the guys, uh, well, uh, before him, the bullet, bullet farmer, he, uh, he seemed to have the most sense about him until he was blinded, and then this... Uh, this when I look at People Eater compared to M- Morton Tan Joe, I'm like, oh, Morton Joe's like a kind of a dish, kind of a <laughs> kind of he's kind of good looking. He's kind of, he's like a WWF wrestler, you know. <laughs> he's still got his uh, fake pecs at that point. Exactly. We need to step away from the People Eater to go back into the rig real quick because Nux yes. he emerged from the engine compartment last week and now he's climbed back into the cabin proper mm-hmm. and he reports that engine one is good for now and Nux is able to deliver this news but then he notices oh yeah Furiosa has also been stabbed things have gone downhill since I went into the engine to take care of things he's a little worried from the looks of it he must see a lot of death with his war boyfriend so I assume he knows a she's basically got a fatal wound at this moment it's like Steve Carell in that one date night movie where he's like kill shot that's a kill shot yep (laughs) Knowing that you've been hit in the side like that, it's like, oh, she's gone. She's mm-hmm. gone. I mean, he basically says that in the next minute or third minute of our week when he's letting uh, Max know what's going on. Speaking of Max, getting back to him in the People Eaters limo, he has taken control of this giant machine and he is shifting up to speed this thing up past the war rig. Because as we saw last week, the People Eaters limo was brought in on one side of the war rig to help box it in. And so now Max is opening that door. So that way Furiosa can get out of this little all-sides pincer maneuver mm-hmm. and give her a little bit of breathing room. This whole movie is a pincer maneuver. Yeah. And the people eater is not content to just sit by and let it happen. He got kicked in the face last week, but he's recovered from that a little bit. And he has pulled a Mauser out of his pocket, I want to say. And he is going <laughs> to attack Max. It's not in the pocket. That's not where he keeps that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Prison he has, he's Prison got wallet. so many folds. Mm-hmm. Hey, what if he pulled out a war boy first? Like, oh, there he is. There's, Kevin, there's what one are you we're doing missing. here? And now, uh, Probably a war pup is what he did, you know? Yeah. Oh. oh, there's just definitely a war pup in there. Well, do they have war pups? Have you guys talked about this yeah. in the hierarchy? Do, they, do other places have the same hierarchy of, of war pups? Or are they considered gas pups or something, you know? Yeah. I suspect they do. I think they're called war pups. I think the army... All comes from the Citadel. Oh, really? And I think they do have different uniforms based on where they are assigned. Oh, in that case, you know what? I don't think they have any war pups. I think all the war pups are at the Citadel. The war pups get reared yeah. at the Citadel and then they get shipped out to the different camps yep. once they get old enough. Then they get assigned to their duty station. That makes sense because then they're at least at a certain level of conformity. They're like, your yeah. new master is yeah. this guy. Go do it for Mortan Joe. You, you know, get to we, grow up with the water and the mother's milk and the produce and all of that. And then you get sent out to 
the bullet farm. Yeah, because throughout the movie, we only see the war pups are always at the Citadel the entire yeah. time. Yeah, right, right. But I mean, like, there are other guys driving, like, the bullet farmers' cars and yeah. all that stuff. They're not, yeah. they're not war boys. They're not dressed like, they don't wear the paint. They don't, they have different uniforms. It's kind of like, I guess, yeah. Disney World, when you go there and you work there and you're assigned, well, today you're in Tomorrowland, so <laughs> you have to wear this. You, maybe it's, maybe it's a rotation. Maybe you rotate in like war, like army people. They are war people. Maybe they rotate in in army ways. They're like, ah, oh, did a tour of duty with the 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 Petro boys, and it was not good. Yeah, spend <laughs> a couple of months at the Bullet Farm, smelling like rotten eggs, and then you spend a couple of months at Gas Town, smelling like diesel all the time. Get back to the Citadel, and you're like, oh, it doesn't smell like those things. It smells now like fertilizer. <laughs> that would help keep their loyalty to Immortan Joe, because if they turn 15 and they're grown enough to fight war they get their war mitzvah mm-hmm. they get their war mitzvah <laughs> you are and now they a get man. their Muzzle duty pop. station if they just go work for the bullet farmer for the rest of their lives their loyalty is eventually going to switch to the bullet farmer rather than Immortan Joe so if they keep them on rotation so that they all get to go back to the citadel at some point keeps their loyalty yeah. on Joe I like that yeah, I like the idea of it. The people eater tries to shoot Max. Max is too quick. He like grabs the barrel and like points it harmlessly out the window. I don't know how he had the reflex to know that he was playing possum or just woke up because it was instantaneous. Knowing that the people eater is called the people eater, I think Max should be happy that he attacked him with a gun and not something like a knife and fork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good situational awareness to put that big fat dude in front of you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like Max is able to rip that gun out of the people eater's hand and the people eater is understandably cowardly. He's crawling out the top of the car and Max just pulls him down like a human shield. And it's a good thing because as soon as he gets on par with the Giga horse, Immortan Joe has his gun out the window and he's popping off shots left and right. And I love how Max does this little duck and weave move from behind yeah. the people eater. So when the people eater like attempts to crawl out the roof, do you think he is attempting to cry out for rescue and help from Immortan Joe himself. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Any chance that Immortan <laughs> Joe would have done anything to help him? No. Nope. No. I, yeah, I agree. Not at all. Uh, only if he somehow got through the roof himself, climbed up on the front of the rig, and then jumped on to the Giga Horse. Oh. But that's mostly, that's 90% the, the People Eater working. And let's just be honest, that's if not If the happening. People Eater had jumped off of his limo towards the Giga Horse, it would have been like that cat video where the cat's walking along the ledge and they're playing that one song, uh, Sail or something like that, and the cat goes to jump and like the cat doesn't really move forward. It just kind of spread eagles into the air and then drops straight down. Yep. The people eater does not possess the ability to jump. No, I think he just like like <laughs> cannonball right to the ground. <laughs> he would instantly become a roadblock. Well, yeah, exactly. also you have to, you can't beat uh, inertia and momentum there. You're still moving forward. You don't get to jump across. Movies have taught us that you can jump from a moving vehicle to another moving vehicle going two different speeds and it's perfect. And you're like, that's not, you're always going to be short because the other yeah. vehicle's moving too. And the Giga Horse is faster than the limo. See, that's the problem I have. The Giga Horse has an awesome name. The limo does not. <laughs> I'm sad about that. <laughs> I'm trying to think of. A reason why. The Bullet Farmer, what was the name of his vehicle? Oh, that was the Peacemaker. The Peacemaker. Such a good name. Right. And then the Giga Horse. And then we have the People Eater's Limo. Boo. (laughs) I don't know. Since since we're about to see the end of it, I just 
I wish it I wish it had a better name, but I guess I mean I was saying before, everything has a name in this movie and it's ridiculous. So I guess one more name. What would you name it, Julia? Oh, I'm not creative like that. Ask Rick. Oh, okay. Rick. <laughs> well, I actually like the idea of keeping it called the People Eaters Limo because the People Eater is literally the Hollywood fat cat persona. He is the totally self-absorbed, lavishly dressed. Like, of course, he's going to drive around in a limousine and he's going to name that thing after himself because he is so vain. He probably thinks this song is about him. <laughs> you know, yep. he's not going to have a creative name like, oh, make way for the ripsaw. Here comes the peacemaker. Oh, watch out for the giga horse. Here it comes with Joe astride it. No, it's oh, look, here comes the people eaters limo. I bet the people eater is inside because he is an uncreative blob. It's like somebody calling their own company the Weinstein Company. Exactly. <laughs> oh, know? another another large yeah, people eater type person. There's definitely a there's definitely a theme going on. Well, you think so? Because I mean, you know, George Miller's had a lot of trouble making some of his movies. <laughs> really has. He's pissed off way too many people eaters. Exactly. <laughs> Not anymore. Well, maybe still. With Max speeding up that people eaters limo, he's able to give Furiosa an out. She slips the war rig through the dust and smoke cloud from the tankers that are on fire, and she's able to get to the outside of this column of vehicles. And it's going good for Max. He's Pulling it off until this little buggy with a giant flamethrower on the back of it appears next to him, and it's given him a lot of grief. Okay, the limousine that yes. the, the people eater has has a rig on the back. Is, does he even carry? He's carrying more petroleum for them anyway. Yeah. So the people eater's limo is a rolling refinery. You start at the okay. back with raw crude, and as it moves forward in the tanker, they have. Equipment and machinery to refine fuel, so that way when it gets to the front, you can just dispense it into a vehicle. It's not realistic. Yeah, I don't think we really ever talked about how dumb that is before. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also why it explodes so easily. Yeah, it yeah. blows up easily, yeah. and I was just like, this seems odd that you would bring this on you with a chase. Because they knew they were chasing. They've always... The only people that didn't know they were getting ready for a chase was Immortan Joe. The second they, like, signal that they've gone off course, they're... The guys, like, you know, muster their team. If you have a vehicle that is able to haul this much weight, why wouldn't you completely fill it with usable fuel? What's the point of refining on the go? Uh, to have a completely never-ending supply of gasoline that you can drive around forever, I guess? Maybe? I don't know. But you'd still have to put more crude in it. Couldn't you just drive up to it with crude and pour it in the back? Can you? I don't know. It seems ill. It seems illogical. Well, yes. It makes a nice explosion. I like that it's on fire. It really yeah. does. The People Eater's limo is a rolling version of the compound from Mad Max to the Road Warrior. Yeah. yeah. Everything you saw in that compound explosion we're about to see on Wednesday. Just rolling instead of being stationary. <laughs> But the main thing that is bothering us right now is this little flamethrower buggy. And Furiosa is Johnny on the spot to take care of this thing. She plows into the back of it and completely decimates it in classic Mad Max fashion. These buggies aren't made yeah. really tightly. This thing falls apart pretty loosely. <laughs> yeah. That's old parts. It's, you it know. is. I, I love that they do the, the classic uh, Mad Max uh, push-in, you know, the sped up push-in to them. Uh, it's sort of like a... 
a pixelated push in where you're pressing the camera's start button every five seconds or every two seconds and you get this <laughs> jumpy, jumpy sped up look. I know that's not how they do it anymore, but I love that they still do that. Yeah. Well, I wonder if they had a di- uh, if these are just digital zooms. Do you think they're digital? Think they were had the wide framing shots of these guys, and they added those little digital zooms, like the like the face of the you know the buggy driver or the flamethrower, you know, getting hit. I, I think it's multiple shots, probably put together. You're right, probably digitally, but they could still be doing it the old fashioned way that they way used to. You know, back in my you know, day, they, they, we pushed in by hand because <laughs> you could tell a digital zoom. I like the way that they look. They, they, they're very consistent with the original ones. Yeah. So I, that's why I like them. You can feel a digital yeah. zoom. What they probably did for this quick zoom is they probably had the camera on the crane and they just swung the camera in on the crane to zoom in on this guy. And then yeah. they could swap everything out so that way they could actually have the war rig plow into this thing. Yeah. And I just love that it's such a classic move of a vehicle getting smashed and obliterated by a larger truck. I'm yeah. pretty sure I've lost track at just how many times a big rig has smashed into a smaller vehicle at this point. Wait, you're not keeping tabs on that? You know, normally I would, but it's happened a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, is there a number you stopped at? Like 50? Like if I had to ballpark it, I'd say we're probably at the fifth time that this has happened. Second time in this movie, maybe. Could be the third. And there'll be a lot more of those. We get one at the end of the first movie, we get one at the end of the second movie we get one towards the end of the third movie that's one per the war rig has already obliterated nux's car once so unless there's another one that i can't remember that would put this at number five Hmm. actually that's a lot lower than i thought it was going to be (laughs) but i guess the second movie doesn't have a ton of second movie doesn't have a ton of chases well i guess they are more chases than that one third one doesn't have a ton of the third one has the last big chase yeah it does but that other than that i mean it's a lot of helicopters and you know weirdness and thunderdoming and yeah and then i think the second one has that first chase that's like in the middle and then that led the last big chase as well okay so well good well now now we have a now we have a a tally i can start from there (laughs) five because i have a feeling for the rest of this movie there's gonna be a lot more Right around second 48, we get a quick zoom in on Furiosa behind the wheel of the war rig. And as I'm looking at this paused shot, off to Furiosa's right, you've got Nux. And he's looking at Furiosa like, are we really going to do this? And Capable isn't even looking at the situation. She's got her arms wrapped around Nux's neck and she's burying her face in his shoulder because she doesn't want to look. (laughs) <laughs> I'm a bit surprised by that. I would have thought by now they would be a little bit more comfortable or desensitized with the level of violence that Furiosa is about to inflict. I kind of see it as her like bracing for impact. She has two options. She could put her head between her knees and brace for impact, or she could cling to Nux like he's the one stable thing that's not going to get thrown around inside this rig, even though he's just as susceptible to being thrown around as anybody else. I think all the wives are very tender when it comes to they try and act, you know, real tough. But I think they still don't like she just looked that guy in the eye and ran over him and the driver uh, and, and no <laughs> yeah. with no qualms whatsoever. So I don't think they're at that level of murderiness yet. So it's still, I think, to them, a little cold blooded. Yeah, they still haven't picked <laughs> up any weapons to participate in the murder fest. <laughs> Not yet. With the flamethrower buggy taken care of. Max and Furiosa are able to get neck and neck, and Cheeto is leaning out of the war rig, and she shouts over to Max, 
she's hurt. She's hurt real bad. And Max takes a moment to look across the way and see if he can catch some sort of glance at Furiosa. And that's how we wrap this minute with him trying to look past everybody to see how she's doing. Right now, when he, when he just killed the, uh, when the, the people eater just died, I think he was thinking, how am I going to get off this thing? Yeah. I can get off this thing. I need to get back on the war rig. Now his problem is, oh, damn, the only person that's competent enough to drive this thing other than, uh, what's his name? Cheeky? Nux. Oh, Nux. Nux. Well, you called him something else. <laughs> oh, the girl. Uh, the person in the back. Who was that? I was talking about Cheeto. Yeah. She's the one with the headband. Oh, Cheeto. Yeah. Yeah. When Cheeto yells out. <laughs> yeah. He's he's definitely. Now he has. What did I call him? <laughs> General General Nux, he uh, he he definitely was thinking about more. Yeah, cheeky. When it definitely when he was thinking about that, he was now now he's back to there's something wrong with her because I don't think at this point in the movie he's had to worry about her or this group of people other than keeping them from dying. It's funny how movies always do that. They always like these are strong people. These are strong women characters. These are strong everything. The second any. One gets hurt. Usually, now it happens also, it happened also to Max too. But anytime any character gets hurt in a movie, everybody kind of like, oh, now we're all worried. It's like, dude, you were, the whole point of this is to not get blown up. You, the, the stakes were very high. You've now moved the stakes back down. She's slowly dying. That's fine. We can deal with that. That's, of all the stress you have to deal with right now, that is the lowest thing. That is low glass. Yeah. Cheeto's very concerned, but, Furiosa has a lot of fight left in her, so mm-hmm. I could see Cheeto being worried and worried and trying to freak everybody out, but really, like, Furiosa's got a lot of fight left in her. I think Cheeto wants Max to come in again and save the day. <laughs> I mean, I do. That is Cheeto, in a nutshell. That's how she's been conditioned over the course of her life, so it makes sense to me. But, like I said, that's the end of today's minute. we got to put a pin in this so we can come back on Wednesday and talk about more of this. But before we go, Jonathan, Chris, could you tell our listeners where they can hear more of your stuff? Tell them, Jonathan, because I'm I, horrible at it. I know. You're so bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> we have a podcast called Minute Impossible. We break down the movies of the Mission Impossible franchise one minute at a time. Oh, Currently, wow. there are six. There will be more. We are on number two. We're on the John Woo one. If you haven't listened to us before, go have a listen to this season. It's really fun. This movie's ridiculous, so there's a lot of goofing around. Also, go listen to some of our first season, too. We've had both Rick and Julia on. We've had Rick and Julia on this season. We've had uh, Rick on again, actually, a couple of weeks ago. Actually, with a bit, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. You can find us at MinuteImpossible.com. That's got links to everything. All of our podcasts where you can find us on any of your podcatchers, download us there. And we would love you to come over and and talk to us in our Facebook group, The Impossible Minute Force. As for us, we will be coming back on Wednesday when the People Eaters limo takes a full half minute to fully explode. And Max gets flung around on a pole only to find himself on top of the doof wagon. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. 
Our home on the internet is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute, like us on Facebook by searching for Mad Max Minute, and join our Facebook listener group, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit madmaxminute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 100 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time.